the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Uh, you are about to meet a new viral star in America. Uh, let me see if I can find her name for you. Uh, she is the foreperson of the Atlanta-based grand jury that has been investigating former President Donald Trump. Oh, here's her name. Emily Kors, K-O-H-R-S. And Emily is, uh, well, she likes being on television. I can tell you that because I see multiple videos of her from CNN and other outlets where she's, uh, well, she's, and I can put this kindly, flirting with the camera. Uh, when the camera focuses on her in a split shot with the anchor, um, well, um, I don't exactly know how I could tastefully refer to this stare that she gives back to the camera. And uh, in a former life, or maybe in this life now, uh, she appears to be uh, a bit of a wacko. Because <laughs> here she is talking about her role as foreperson of the grand jury in Atlanta investigating President Trump. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Did you? Oh, she's an up talker. I wanted to interview President Trump because I thought it would be really cool. Yeah. Oh, you're going to love her. Well, I'll tell you who does not love her. Uh, The other anchors on CNN, uh, including Anderson Cooper and the uh, CNN legal analyst, uh, they are mm, a little uncomfortable with her being the foreperson of the grand jury investigating Donald Trump and an obvious wacko. This person is talking on TV. I do not understand. She's clearly enjoying herself. Yeah. Um, But... I mean, is this responsible? She was the foreperson of this grand jury. This is a horrible idea, and I guarantee you that prosecutors are wincing watching her go on this. I was wincing just (laughs) watching her eagerness to, like, you know, hint at stuff. It's painful in that respect. This is a very serious prospect here. We're talking about indicting any person. You're talking about potentially taking away that person's liberty. We're talking about potentially a former president for the first time in this nation's history. She does not seem to be taking that very seriously. There's no reason for her to be out talking. No, it's a prosecutor's nightmare. Mark my words, Donald Trump's team is going to make a motion if there's an indictment to dismiss that indictment based on grand jury impropriety. She's not supposed to be talking about anything, really, but she's really not supposed to be talking about the deliberations. She's talking about what specific witnesses they saw, what the grand jury thought of them. She says some of them we found credible, some of them we found funny. I don't know why that's relevant, but she's been saying we found this guy funny or interesting. I think she's potentially crossing a line here. It's going to be a real problem for prosecutors. Gee, that's too bad, isn't it? Okay, so uh, while she's not... uh, coming onto the camera, and while she's not 
talking about why she wanted to swear Donald Trump in. Uh, what has she said? Uh, well, she said that they are going to be issuing indictments. Can you imagine? I can't do it like her. Sorry. Can you imagine doing this for eight months and not coming out with a whole list of indictments? It's not a short list. It's not. There may be some names on that list that you wouldn't expect, but the big names that everyone keeps asking me about, I don't think you'll be shocked. Okay. Well, we shall see what we shall see. But um, grand juries, I mean, I have some experience with grand juries because I used to be a cops and uh, courts reporter. Grand juries are supposed to be secretive, very, very secretive. You're not supposed to leave the grand jury room and go out and find the first national television platform you can get and go on and winky winky at the camera camera. No, but she did. (laughs) It's really kind of funny to me because the more the left tries to dictate the narrative, dictate legislate, shut down, the more they fail. And the more they end up with egg, pie, whatever else you want on their faces. Case in point. Case in point. Uh, A new study out of George Mason University says that an array of citywide vaccine mandates in America's major cities announced in 2021 uh, had no discernible impact on stopping the spread of COVID-19. The researchers evaluated COVID lockdowns in Boston, Chicago, L.A., New Orleans, New York, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Seattle, and Washington, D.C. Many local leaders in those cities demanded, demanded that vaccine mandates be in effect, arguing that the science was irrefutable. For example, Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney said that mask and vaccine mandates would slow the spread of COVID. Here was the quote at the time from the mayor of Philadelphia. The updated policies we announced today are critical to slowing the spread of the Delta variant of COVID-19, which is more dangerous and transmissible than earlier forms of the virus. The science is clear. Yes. These measures will protect Philadelphians and save their lives. Uh, Well, here's what the report actually said. Our findings put into question the efficacy of city-level vaccine mandates. Indoor vaccine mandates cause large disruptions for many individuals and businesses. In New York City, for example, 1,430 city workers were fired for failing to comply with its vaccine mandate. A survey found that over 90% of New York restaurants reported having customer-related challenges such as losing customers who objected to the mandates and 75% having staff-related challenges. In other words, they couldn't get people to come to work because they were not vaccinated. The bottom line from the study, a small fraction of the disruptions caused by these mandates wreaked major havoc at every single instance in these affected cities. We find that the effects of the mandates on their intended outcomes are not statistically noticeable in any of the cities where they were implemented with all empirical strategies used. Gee, sorry. Sorry about your business closing. Sorry about firing you from your job. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, sorry doesn't feed the bulldog and it does not pay 
the electric bill. Okay, while I'm blowing up narratives, uh, here's a story. House Republicans, who now lead the House, by the way, Jim Jordan and others, James Comer, have gathered a trove of text and email messages that show House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office was, are you ready for this, directly involved in the creation and editing of the Capitol Police security plan that failed during the January 6th riot. Let me read that again. House Republicans have gathered a trove of text and email messages that show House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office was directly involved in the creation and editing of the Capitol Police security plan that failed during the January 6th riot. So the plan to protect the Capitol that the Capitol Police came up with, their plan was edited by Nancy Pelosi and her staff. Then they have the text messages to prove it. The report concludes that the Capitol was left vulnerable on January 6th as a result of failures by Democratic leadership in the House and law enforcement leaders in the Capitol Police who allowed concerns about the optics of having armed officers and the National Guard visible to the public override their need for enhanced security. Oh, gee, it'll look bad. Do you really think that's why they didn't want security there? I don't think that's why. I think the reason why they didn't want armed security at the Capitol on January 6th is because they wanted the Capitol overrun on January the 6th because they would forever have video evidence that everybody on the right is an extremist. I will always believe that. No one will ever make me not believe that. They absolutely positively wanted that to happen. They wanted it to happen. And they were not under their desks cowering in fear. They were hoisting glasses of champagne and wine and high-fiving each other and laughing at the success of their plan. I can't wait to see if Tucker Carlson has a video of that when he starts showing it next week. Already some reports are out about that. And big news about East Palestine. Next. Recapping the big news of the day, we have a new entry in the field for the Republican nomination for president, Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy is an outlier, 37 years old. Woo! Young! This is good. He will resonate with young voters. He is articulating the message that America is a great place where if you work hard, you can get ahead. He did. He has. Prioritizing meritocracy is a message that I expect to be embraced across the entire platform by the Republican Party. But nobody articulates it better than Vivek Ramaswamy. So this, as the cornerstone of his platform, will it serve him well? Ah, Josh Crashauer of Axios, not so sure. The issue that Vivek Ramaswamy is talking about isn't just a base issue. Uh, we've learned with the Republican Party's focus on education over the last few years, it's an issue that both energizes the base, but also wins a whole lot of swing voters in states like Virginia uh, and in Florida with Ron DeSantis's re-election campaign. So this is an issue that is one of the few issues, frankly, these days that energizes the Republican base and also can win over some of these independent swing voters. Uh, the challenge, though, for, for Ramaswamy is that 
almost every Republican presidential candidate or potential candidate is talking about the issue of wokeness and, and, and the excesses of the progressive left. So there, there always has been room historically, Dana, for ideas-centered candidates to have some traction. Remember Andrew Yang in the Democratic primary just in 2020 on universal basic income, and you also had Steve Forbes not that long ago on the flat tax. So there's room for candidates to run on an idea and get a lot of momentum. But the challenge for Ramaswamy is a lot of other Republicans, especially Ron DeSantis, are already talking about many of the same issues that he's really put into the public domain. Yeah, but I, I think I really like Josh Crashauer. I know he works for a whacked organization, but he's really, uh, I think, an honest broker. I think Ramaswamy's talking about it, A, in a different way than other people will talk about it. And I also think he can talk about it from a different perspective than other people can talk about it. Uh, for instance, he's lived it, right? He's the son of Indian immigrants. Uh, he also has confronted it at the corporate level. Uh, his books, Woke Inc., Nation of Victims, he has, as he has built his own personal wealth, encountered the good things about America and also the movement towards saying those things are no longer possible. So I think Vivek Ramaswamy can articulate it in a way that other candidates cannot. Nikki Haley can articulate it in her own personal way. I'm sure Ron DeSantis will. Ron DeSantis has an everyman story. He grew up, you know, just a regular kid from the neighborhood. Uh, His parents went to Youngstown State, moved down to Florida, Central Florida kid, worked as an elect, worked for an electrician while uh, attending Yale. So it's fine and dandy if everybody on the Republican platform is articulating the same basic idea. Because when they each put their own personal spin on it, what will that do as you continue to hear that? You'll hear it from this person, from this perspective, from this person, from another perspective. It adds texture to the fact that the argument that you hear from the left that, oh, if you're born a certain race or a certain ethnicity, you just have no chance of getting ahead. It will be refuted at every single level by a multiplicity of candidates on the Republican side of the ticket. The irony, the irony is, and this has always been ironic, I've not had a problem with it, but it is ironic that the guy who came to speak for blue-collar America was himself a New York real estate developer billionaire who grew up not in a hard scrabble way, but grew up privileged. Now, there's nothing wrong with growing up privileged. What do you do with that privilege? Donald Trump has done great things with it, and he's used it to do great things for other people. I'm not saying I'm against it, and I'm not saying that Trump's an elitist. I'm just saying that it was ironic that Donald Trump, who has been like front and center of you know, America for, I mean, as far back as I can remember, I've known about Donald Trump. Didn't know him as a political candidate, but you knew who Donald Trump was. You knew what he was about. He was in the headlines for his cavorting around with multiple different women. He was in the headlines for being a sports team owner. He was he was always in the headlines. But he came to epitomize every man. And why? Why did he come to epitomize every man? Because he understood that America was a great place, and he radiated that from his heart. From his heart. See, does it feel authentic to you when Pete Buttigieg says, oh, you know, I was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, and I 
I feel for those people in East Liverpool. I'm actually going to East Liverpool tomorrow. That's the big news I was going to tell you about East Liverpool, is that multiple news outlets are now reporting that Pete Buttigieg is going to East Liverpool. Uh, Sorry about it, Pete, that you have to go. He sounded like a guy heading for a root canal yesterday when he was talking about, yeah, eventually I'll go. It doesn't feel authentic when Pete Buttigieg says he cares about East Liverpool, Ohio. It doesn't sound authentic when Joe Biden rails about unions and all that kind of stuff. As you know, Joe Biden's an elitist. Pete Buttigieg is an elitist. And you can be an elitist and still understand what people less fortunate than you, less successful than you, have gone through. doesn't mean you can't understand them. It doesn't. No one in the world is precluded from having empathy and compassion. That's available to everybody. But when you get so full of yourself that you look down on people who have worked hard, People whose entire life savings, like those in East Liverpool, uh, those in uh, in East Palestine, are likely tied up in their property, in their home, in their business, and that that has been threatened by a train, through no fault of their own, crashing in their town and belching toxic chemicals into the soil and into the streams, and you sit on your hands or other body parts in Washington D.C for longer than a week before you get interested in it, and you only get interested in it because national media coverage shames you into it, or the arrival of the former president shames you into it. Well, then you know that you have become horrifically disconnected from caring about the people that you were put in office to serve. And that is what I see with the Democratic response to this East Palestine train derailment. Sure, it's great. Okay, fine. The EPA now says, hey, Norfolk Southern, you're going to clean this up. And if you don't clean it up right, we're going to charge you three times as much. Fantastic. But why did it take three weeks to get to that? Why did it take three weeks? Why did it take three weeks for Pete Buttigieg to get there? Oh, because I'm not going to go when it's about show and politics. I'm going to go when I really do something. What are you going to do? Everybody's already bust in bottled water and Gatorade and food and Norfolk Southern has even come through with checks to help people stay in hotels and this, that, and the other. What are you gonna, you're going to come in there at the end? You're going to come in there at the end and you're going to, oh, yeah, you know, I, oh, I always, this has always been a priority in my administration. Really? Is that always a priority? Where's the president today? Where is he? Oh, that's right. He's in Poland. Where was he yesterday? Oh, that's right. He was in Ukraine. Yeah. It's all theater. It's all political theater. It's all bad political theater by the way. So it'll be interesting to contrast the reception Donald Trump gets in East Liverpool today and the reception Mayor Pete gets in uh, East Palestine. Why do I keep saying East Liverpool? East Palestine tomorrow. That'll be interesting. Um, And we will have it for you right here on the Bruce Hooley Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.